0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, spending your morning with us. We've been in the the book of Hebrews, and the way we've done this series this summer, um, because there's been people on vacation and whatnot, is that we didn't actually systematically go through the book. We just, whoever was speaking, had the liberty to kind of pick and choose whatever you wanted to speak on. And I've done five talks, and today's the third talk, and all... Of the five, three have come from Hebrews chapter 12. It's like I am stuck in Hebrews chapter 12. And I just keep finding nuggets. And so I really wanted to get out of Hebrews chapter 12 for this morning, but could not resist the temptation to to, 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 uh, unpack for you one portion of this passage that just really spoke to me. Um, Again, the book of Hebrews is written to people going through a really, really tough time. These people are going through uh, the persecution. This is probably right around 64 AD that they are coming into a new round of persecution under the emperor Nero. And, um, And the writer of Hebrews knows that these people are up against it. And so this whole letter is written to encourage them. And I happen to, I actually believe that when, We come to a a book like this. I don't think that it's just random that we picked a book. I think, I actually believe some of you are really, really up against some things. And some of you are just facing challenges that feel overwhelming to you. And And so the book of Hebrews can be a ministry to you as well. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read the first couple of verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Every one of us has been given a unique race. Every single one of us has been given a matchless life to live. Nobody has ever come to this planet with your DNA, has come to the planet with your perspective, which, by the way, is really important. That you're true to your perspective and you read on things and the lens with which you come to the scriptures and the lens with which you come to life. And when we, we do that in community, we bring all of our perspectives. We see very, very differently. We see much more broadly. And so, so, so don't abandon your perspective just because the person across the table is Louder. Don't dismiss the the beautiful, unique way that you interpret and look at life because it's actually, when you blend these things all together, your interpretation with my interpretation, our understanding of life, we we begin to see life much more differently. Nobody's ever been given the gift mix that you've been given and the way that you've been given and nobody's got the personality. Nobody's quirky like you are. Nobody's ever smelled just like you smell. You're different from anybody that's ever lived on the planet. And I submit to you that that race that, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is your calling. And, 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 and your calling is the dream that burns down deep inside of you so deeply. It's so central to who you are that if you don't fulfill it, it's just not worth getting up in the morning. It's why God puts you on the planet. And so there's this unique race that every one of us has to run. And the writer of Hebrew says, let's run with perseverance. And that's the word I want to park on. Let's run with perseverance. Now, perseverance is like the most not fun word on the planet. Okay. It's not a shiny word at all. Perseverance. It means to run with active waiting. Waiting. Seriously, waiting who waits anymore? It is my most unfavored thing on the planet to do is wait. Have you ever been at the grocery store and your line is stuck and everybody else's line is moving? And you're supposed to wait? You're supposed to stay in the, in, in the slow line? You know what, if you actually want to be at the grocery store for a long time, just line up behind me because whatever line I get in, becomes the slow line, inevitably. He says, run this race with a posture of active waiting. It is really difficult. But let me tell you something. If you're ever gonna enter into your God-given destiny, if you are ever going to become the best version of you you will have to wrap your heart, your mind, and understanding around what the process of active waiting looks like. Because you will never achieve all that God wants to produce in you until you've learned to actively wait on the Lord. And so I wanna show you this morning what that might look like. In um, 1 Samuel chapter 6, The Bible says that Samuel, he's the prophet of God. He looks like Gandalf. Um, He takes a horn of oil and he anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And the Bible says from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully among David. Came powerfully upon David. Now think about this. Just think about how this played out. David's out and and the back 40 shepherding sheep, okay? He actually wasn't even on the invitation list for this party. He, he wasn't even supposed to be there. But somebody comes running out to the field, says, I got the sheep, go back to the house you wanted at the house. David runs into the house, and the house is full of people. And right in the middle of the room is Gandalf. And he, he's standing there and he's ready and he's got this horn of oil and he sets his gaze on David and he lights up like a Christmas tree because he knows that this is the Lord's anointed. And he calls the boy to himself and he puts his hand on him and then he begins to pour this oil all over his head and begins to declare this is God's chosen king of Israel right here. He pours, he chooses them right there. He chooses them above his brothers. And I love this. He chooses them above Eliab. Eliab's the oldest brother that David has. And when Samuel saw Eliab, he goes, Oh, he, Eliab, I, I have it on good authority, looked like Dwayne Johnson, he looked like the rock. And so, so so, so, Samuel looks at him and goes, that's my guy. That's your guy. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't look on the outward, look on the inward. And so David gets chosen over Dwayne Johnson. What do you do? What happens next after you've been chosen above your brothers? What happens next? What happens right after you, you've, a great declaration has been made over you. A prophecy has been given to you that you are to be someone great, someone that shifts history. What do you do next? Where did David go after this great declaration? You know where he went? Back to shepherding sheep. What did he do when the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him? Went back to the goats and he waited. What did he do after being anointed king? He took his brother's lunch and he waited. You see, this is the same year that David was anointed to be king. Again, nobody knew this was all going down, not in Israel, except for the the, the house of Jesse. In that same year, um, the Philistines declared war against the nation of Israel. So, battle lines were drawn, and the Philistines send out their champion. They send out their Goliath, the great warrior. And Goliath comes out day after day after day, and he curses and he swears the the God of Israel and the people of Israel day after day. The man must have been so intimidating. He must have been so, 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 have, have, have such a presence that the entire nation, every man in the army, was terrified. All of David's brothers were terrified. Dwayne Johnson was terrified. King Saul was terrified. They were all terrified. And the Bible tells us that in in 1 Samuel 17, that David shows up on the scene wearing a king's anointing, delivering lunch to his brothers. Nobody else saw the anointing. The father saw the anointing. God saw the anointing on him. Nobody else saw the anointing until... David said, what is that guy talking about? He's cursing our God. He's cursing God's people. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. Something rises up in this. And it's it's the spirit of God that came powerfully upon him. It's the king's anointing that's on him. Says, well, I'll take him out. And the king Saul, you know, he's just so relieved. Somebody's willing to go up against this guy. He goes, okay, I'll get you dressed. Wear my armor. And the Bible tells us that David puts on his armor and it's too big and it's, it pinches. It's really shiny, but it arm fit right. And he says this, he said, I cannot fight in another man's armor. He said, I'd rather go into the battle with my sling and my rocks if that's okay with you. Why, why, why would he say that? Why would he choose a sling and some rocks over a sword and a shield and an armor? It's because, you see, David had been through process with his sling. All of those nights and all of those days, shepherding those sheep, all of those boring, boring hours, practicing, practicing, taking on predators that would come for the sheep, practicing, practicing, practicing. All of that process. And David knew what he could do with what he had. Which is a really good point because you will only be effective in your life to the degree that you're authentic. Why are you trying to be somebody else? Why are you trying to wear somebody else's anointing, somebody else's armor? You can't actually fight your fight in somebody else's armor. You're you're, you're only going to be effective when you learn to move around freely in the skin you're in. When you learn to steward the gifts and the personality and the look that you have. We're so quick to want somebody else's look, somebody else's gift, somebody else's success. And yet God gave you your own unique race and he gave you your own unique body and your own, you you know, would you stop trying to be what somebody else is? And begin to steward the skin that you're in. And you'll be amazed at what you can do with what you have. I was talking about focus the last time. Some of us in this place were saying, God, give me more, give me more. And I was using the, the illustration of a magnifying glass. And what a magnifying glass simply does is takes all the light that comes into the prism. And it focuses on one point. And when it, whatever it focuses on ignites. And I'm saying the same thing for you. Instead of trying to be somebody else, why don't you just take all that you have and focus it, harness it, steward it. And David says, I'll just use the equipment I got. Thank you very much. See, the the interesting thing about David is he, he demonstrates something for us that every single one of us needs to pro, go through a process to master anything. You, there are no shortcuts. You have to go through a process to master anything. Hebrews chapter six, verse 12 says, I don't want you to become lazy, but I want you to imitate those who through faith and patience Boy, we're good at faith. I can believe. Oh, God, I can believe. I'm going to muster all my faith, and all day long, I'm going to believe. But do that for 10 years. Do that for 10 years. He said, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And he says, let perseverance, there's that shiny word again, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. You get everything you want when you want how you want. You 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 become a weak person. There is something that muscles are produced in you through waiting and perseverance and actively waiting on the Lord. One of the things I've come to learn in my life is that if you stay with something long enough, fruit will happen. If you stay with something long enough, good stuff happens. You stay with the herd long enough, favor happens, promotion happens. But we, you know what? The second something goes wrong, we think, oh, I'm just gonna bail. And I feel like we're a people that God's saying, would you just stick with it? Stay together, work through the tough times, work through that stuff that's difficult. Stick around. I'm, I'm telling you, my wife and I are so blessed. We've been in Lake Country for 10 years now. And the fruit we see that just popping up everywhere relationally comes out of just loving that community, loving our friends, being present in the good and the bad, going to as many funerals as we go to weddings, just walking with the people, loving the people and the beauty that comes out of 10 years. And so I'm imagining in another 10 years, it is going to be amazing. Stick with something long enough and fruit will happen. And it's amazing how when you stay with something through the process, you see it through to the other end. When you, when you have worked through something and you finally get on top of your fear. When you work with something and you, you, you push through the pain and the brokenness and you do that together. When you push through the tough years and you look back, that's when you see it. That's when you see how the things that you went through were so significant to who you've become. You had no idea that you were actually practicing, that the situations that you went through prepared you, developed competencies in you for today to become the person that you are. In uh, 1 Samuel 17, David, when he wanted to become, when he wanted to go out and fight Goliath, Verse 32 says, and the king said, uh, uh, don't be ridiculous. He said, there's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. And I love this, but David persisted. Don't let people talk you out of your dream. Don't roll over as soon as the first thing doesn't work out. And David persisted and he said this, he said, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and my father's goats. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do this to this pagan Philistine who has defiled the armies of the living God. And this is his faith for the Lord who rescued me from the lion. And the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You see, David, he has come to this moment. He's wearing this king's anointing. You know what? He's a shepherd wearing a king's anointing. By the way, you know what? You would do wise to not judge your eyes, but judge your spirit. Because there's some of you are shepherds, but you're wearing a king's anointing. There's a call on your life that is bigger than your vocation at this point in time. There's a call on your life that is bigger than what you are doing with your life right now. And we need to be people who set our eyes on the things that are not seen, not the things that are seen. And we look at each other and we look at each other with faith and we look at each other with the eyes of the spirit and say, there's something great on you. I can feel it. I can see it. It's coming. So the shepherd boy walks onto the field, but he's wearing a king's anointing. And David realizes that he's been training. He's been training for years for this day. It was his job to protect the goats and the sheep. And a lion comes. A lion comes for who the, 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 the animals he's supposed to protect. And his king's anointing is sitting on him and these are the people he's supposed to protect. And so when the lion comes, he takes a club and he beats him like a rented mule. And the lion lets go of the sheep, but then turns around and begins to attack David himself. And David Muay ties him to death. And then he says, and then, and then the next time we went to a new level because a bear came after me. And I beat the bear to death. And so here we are and I realized that I took, I went through the lion to prepare for the bear and I went through the bear to prepare for the giant. And it's amazing that David, he, he, he's saying the Lord will rescue me just like he did the bear and the lion. See, he's looking at the challenge in front of him, which is an ominous challenge. And he's reciting the resume of God's faithfulness. And it's really important because he's saying, okay, the lion came at me. And you know what happened to the lion? His head is hanging on my wall in the living room. The bear came at me. You know what happened to the bear? The bear is under my feet on the floor in my living room. And the giant is coming at me and I'm just going to add him to my resume. I can't tell you that that, that those of you who are facing a giant right now, and some of you are looking at a giant. You're looking at a divorce that just seems so overwhelming. You're looking at debt that just seems so overwhelming. You're looking at heartache that you just can't get around. I want to encourage you to start reciting your lion and your bear. What, what, what were they? What was your lion? What was your bear? And what were they preparing you for? We all have them. We all have them. I have lions and bears. Now, I'm, you, you're, you, you poor people, you, you hear about my bears and my lions all the time. I get to recite them in front of you in hopes that, that you get encouraged. But, but do you recite them? Do you remind each other, moms and dads, husbands and wives? Do you remind your kids of the lions and bears that you took out? I'm telling you, you, you know what's funny? We, we hate mess, don't we? And yet our lives are just so messy. Family, oh Lord, is so Messy. You know, if only we didn't have family, you know, it wouldn't be so, like, most of the carnage relationally is in family. When I looked at, I began to, to go over this resume of lions and bears, and I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of blood on the field. It's been a lot of mess. Insecurity and self-worthlessness came at me for the first third of my life and was relentless, But I beat it. It lost. Fear of failure tried to contain me, and it lost. Mental illness tried to take me out, but it lost. The lion and the bear came to tear up my family with divorce and separation, and it lost. It's messy, right? The lion and the bear came after my wife and beat on her body and sickness hit her time and time again and it lost. And the Lord rescued us from the lion and the bear. And you want to know why? To make us who we are today, to bring us to this day and he will rescue us from the next thing that comes at us because our faith is in the Lord. See, I had no idea that all those battles were called process. And you will never, ever have promotion without process. These things were training us back then to walk in who we are today. And and, and I'm a much bigger version in so many ways, unfortunately, than I was when I was 25. But I'm stronger. You see, I was a shepherd boy with a certain anointing on my life. And just like David, I grew into that anointing. And you're growing into your calling. You're into your anointing. I love this verse. Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every word that rises up against you, every lie, every accusation, every taunt, every threat, No weapon, no every word that rises up against us will fall. You see, David was celebrated as the great king of Israel. Great rock star, great musician. But everything that we celebrate him for cost him so deeply. It cost him to get there. He went from a shepherd boy to a king. And it didn't happen in a day, even though the anointing happened in one night. But it took 15 years to get him from a shepherd boy to a king. He understands the process of active waiting. 15 years. 15 years. You see, you want promotion. You you want the big office, but can you handle the process? Are you prepared to go through the process because true promotion doesn't happen without process. You, you know, we see people who are successful and we want to be them. Do you want their scars? Do you, do you want the pain that, that, that they went through to, to be able to, to carry the amount of responsibility that they carry? I, I know some of the guys in this room, you know, you know I, I'm thinking some of the ladies in this room, you, you carry so much weight and responsibility. You didn't do that when overnight you learned and you grew into that anointing, into that mantle. So David spent 15 years in uh, being broken in the school of active waiting. What's interesting is that his training seems so unrelated to what it is to be a king. You know, you, you think in kingly training, you learn how to sit at the table and eat properly, and to sit on the throne well, and to, you know, uh, how to dress well, you know, how to sound authoritative when you're giving an order, you know, how, you know, you, you think there's lots of things. Nothing that he did in those 15 years felt kingly. He was running. He was hiding. He hid it. <laughs> he hid in caves and in caverns and in holes in the ground. And the whole time he was hiding, He'd be reaching out to helpless people and defending the helpless. And then this this group of um, misfits, these warriors come around him that nobody wants, that everyone's rejected. This whole group of misfits come around him and he says, I'll lead you. It seems so unrelatable to being a king, but God was training him to become a king. See, perseverance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to endure until the Father turns it into glory. Until the Father puts it as a weapon in your hand. I talk about depression and I talk about mental illness and I'm not embarrassed about it because you know what's happened? I survived it and the Lord put it as a weapon in my hand and I can help you walk through yours. You know, being self, having so much self-worth and self-doubt and, or self-worthlessness, rather, I could talk about that quite freely because the Lord, he, he took this thing that was meant to destroy me and he put it in my hand as a weapon. And that's what God is doing with you in the battles that you're in. That's what the bear and the lion battles are all about. It's called process. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. In the kingdom of God, there is a process that we do not like. And it sounds like this. You must decrease for him to increase. It sounds like this. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. If it dies, it produces many seeds. You know, I, I read that verse and I was thinking, you know, there have been areas in my life I, I just play dead. It's getting whittled down, it's hurting, it's hurting, It hurting, God is just pounding away at this area of my, my ego or my pride and then I pretend it's dead. Thinking he'll stop, but he doesn't until the thing is crushed and it's dead and there's nothing left and then it starts to produce food. And he says, in every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it that he may wear What? bear more fruit. Can you see that decreasing, dying and pruning, you know what those are called? Process. And you will never, never become who God has called you to be without process. The Bible says that if you can be trusted over little, he'll put you over much. If you're trusted over little, he'll put you over much. You'll never be entrusted with greatness until you've maximized your smallness. Take, take what you've been given and be enormous in the little fishbowl that you're in, and then God will give you a bigger fishbowl. He'll give you more influence. It's funny how we can get so consumed with our, um, with our desire for much that we neglect what God's put in our hands. You wanna influence nations but you neglect your family. You you, you, you want to be somebody that, that moves people, but you don't even care about the people you live with. You're reaching for promotion, but you're neglecting process. You're reaching for performance, but you're neglecting practice. And we've got lots of coaches in the room today, and you know, you know, players don't show up for practice, they don't play. If you do not practice, you do not play. And Jesus loves you so much that if you do not practice, he's not going to put you on a stage to perform because you're going to fall flat on your face. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. You said, see, practice isn't pretty, especially hockey. Like, do any, is there any uniform on the planet that stinks as bad as a hockey uniform? Really? Kobe? is there? Really? Really? <laughs> you, know, you know what? Like, I mean, they, they sweat in them every practice and they only wash them, out once a... A year twice a year, something like that. I went, Marcy and I went to a Flames game, and these are professionals, okay? And somebody gave us tickets, and it was right behind the Flames bench, and we were so excited until well, 15 minutes into the first period. Holy moly, these professionals stink! You know what? They, these guys make millions of dollars, and yet they stink. You think that they could, ex- you know, emit cologne or something when you make that much money? But no, you, you just stink. I don't know where I'm going with that, um, but <laughs> the point is I'm making that 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 that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that, that, that practicing is a grind. That practicing is a grind, and that's what the writer Hebrews is talking about. He says, "Run with perseverance. Recognize that the race you're in is going to be a race. It's going to be a grind of active waiting." Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they'll mount up with wings as eagles and they'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and not offend. That's what happens when you will go through the process. Let's run with perseverance the race that set out for us. I want to pray for you. I, I I went down this and I saw this and I had in my heart there was some of you that are up, up against coming up against giants. I thought of you been in Chelsea the giants that you're facing, but you have a a resume man. There's a resume of faithfulness. I wanted to encourage you. Wanted to the, the, the faithfulness of the Lord. Some of you, you know what you're 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 just in the middle of a really messy divorce. And it just feels overwhelming. You go like, like, how does this, you know, it's just is so awful. And I want to say to you, recite the faithfulness of the, God, of the Lord in your life. The strength that you need, you got. You've been training for this moment. You've been preparing for this moment. And the Lord will be with you. So I want to pray for you. And if you're up against a giant right now, I want you to begin to ask the Lord to help you remember the bears and the lions that, 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 that the Lord reduced to nothing in your lives as you waited on them. Father, thank you today for your, you are a good God. And you said, run with perseverance because the race is hard. It's difficult. It's messy. And sometimes we just have to, 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 to keep going, keep on keeping on. And for those that are up against a giant right now. Father, I thank you that the Lord who rescued them from the bears and the lions in their lives will rescue them from this giant in Jesus' name. And we know, Father, that you are faithful. You are absolutely faithful. And we trust you. And so I pray for just the, 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 the spirit of, 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 of um, courage and strength to rise up and to look the giant in the face and say, you are going to become part of my resume. And Father, I pray for those in this room that are doing the work of shepherds but are carrying the anointing, the calling, the dream, the purpose of something significant in influencing people. I just, I just want to say to you that the Lord knows People don't see the, the anointing on you, but the Lord sees that anointing and, and, and not to belittle it, not to, but not, not to undermine what God's given you. And so for all these things, Father, we just surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.